Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Sam Bradshaw in his weekly segment. Sam, um, you and I usually kind of talk about, like, specifics to get into, but this game... It's really hard for me to ask a, a kind of a specific question about Baylor other than, like, what can they do to stop a Kansas State attack that seems like, at least if you just put this week in a vacuum, it was specifically designed to beat them and them alone because they are the exact opposite of what Kansas State is. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, Kansas State is an outstanding team who's very, very sound on the offensive line. They've got a couple NFL guys there, but more than just that, they've got extremely experienced guys. I mean, you look across that offensive line, each and every starter has started over 20 games for them. A couple of them have started over 30 or 40. You know, it's a very, very big offensive line, very athletic. I mean, Cooper Beebe's definitely made some highlight real plays this year as the Houston guy he sent into the bleachers. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got incredibly strong weapons. I mean, they're not top to bottom, the kind of weapons that you'd see at like a Georgia or something like that. But you've got a six year receiver who's very quick, very good route runner, very good straight line speed, but you, but you're also pairing him with some young targets. And of course, Ben Sennett at tight end is, an incredible weapon for them. They've got a couple different options at running back. They got two different mobile quarterbacks that can threaten you. And that passing attack is well developed. It's well schemed. And even when Texas was able to shut them down with their D line up front, shut the run game down, the passing game went off once K State adjusted. I mean it I mean after the first few drives where K State kept trying to run the ball, after that they were averaging a third of the field against the Longhorns and that's a good defense and having absolutely no run game to lean on when you're built off of that is not easy to do. And they were able to do that, which just underscores just how difficult these guys are to stop. So Sam, um, with Kansas state's two quarterback system, and then like, it's been way more Will Howard than, than Will Howard and Avery Johnson, like it was, like when they first started doing it, it was it was maybe more of a natural split. It's been way more Will Howard lately. How do you expect to see them continue the split there? Well, I think it's 
going to lean on Will Howard a little bit more, um, mainly because a lot of what they've done with Avery is a lot of quarterback run, and they've even gotten him involved as a wide receiver running on those fly sweeps. You know, his speed is a big differentiator, and he's definitely a very talented passer. He's dropped a couple of dimes in there this year, and he's going to be a hassle for the Big 12 in years to come, but I think they're going to lean on Will Howard for the most part. But you obviously have to be ready because they are two very different runners. One is a runner that's a man after his offensive coordinator, Colin Klein's old heart, um, in the sense that he's 6'4 plus, 220 plus, and can, I mean, Howard's even heavier than that, but just, you know, just can lean on you as an interior runner. And then you've got Avery Johnson, who's built almost like a wide receiver slash punt returner at 6'2", 190, and can absolutely pull away from people and make people miss. It's two very different types of runners that they'll probably try and scheme up a little bit differently in terms of what plays they call for them and how, how exactly they try and do that. And Baylor's going to absolutely have to have an idea on tendency for when they're in the game and what if they're in this formation, how are they probably going to try and use this guy versus that guy and remain sound against the pass because this isn't just a wildcat package if Avery comes in there. He is a very, very capable passer. So you can't do a lot of the junk defenses that people have been able to throw at a wildcat package using certain blitz calls, certain fronts, certain coverages. You have to remain sound and still stop them. And it's going to be a bit of a challenge. You know, this is a Baylor defense that has had a lot of youth and their primary nose tackle rotation over the course of the year has been a bunch of first and second year guys or guys that were 270 pound DNs on the depth chart for whatever school they were with last year. You know, that's not exactly ideal going against this offensive line that wants to run a gap power at you over and over again. Sam, what has been your assessment of how Baylor has changed their offense in the last couple of weeks? Uh, they're they're running more spread concepts. There's still some wide zone in there. It is, and I think we talked about this last week, it's kind of a, um, you know, you, you go to a restaurant, they have a different special every week. That's kind of what they're they're doing. It's like, all right, last week the special was the, was the meatloaf. This week it's chicken pot pie. Like, you kind of have to, to do whatever you can. Right. And, you know, this is Baylor's offense right now is like a pitcher that is not able to rely on their fastball. So they're having to go with sliders one week. They're having to go with curveballs. They're going to they're having to do, go with your change up. You're having to do a lot of different things. Now, granted, against Houston, Iowa State, there was probably some schematic carryover. But Cincinnati and Texas Tech run things a little differently, you know, and they've really had to tailor things to what their opponent really forced them into. Because if you can't just rely on your fastball, everything else loses its effectiveness. Because the, the way they set this offense up is they want everything based off the wide zone. They want to get those linebackers flowing. Then they want to hit them with play action, not just deep, but also laterally. They want to get you flowing one way and put your pass responsibility the other way. They want to do different things like that. And they're really having to carve out what's in the playbook that these guys can execute, but also what puts them in a position to have success when that run is not working because the line has not been up to par in terms of handling that. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting. Against Kansas State, they run a similar 3-3-5 structure to what Iowa State does. 
but they run it with a lot lighter personnel at defensive end and a little faster personnel on the back end in terms of uh, coverage. So they are more willing to take gambles in terms of we're going to blitz and play man coverage to get you off the field, or we're going to do two deep man under and really trying to deny the ball instead of just play zone, keep everything in front of us and ask some bigger D linemen to hang in there against you. You know, if you're looking at Iowa state, I mean, they're kind of starting defensive ends are 255 and 295. You look at the defensive ends in that system for Kansas State, you're talking like 240, that kind of range for what they have. I mean, you know, it's not the same, and they've got a little bit more quickness than the Cyclones threw at that position, but they're also trading off, you know. You got guys like Brendan Mott, Khalid Duke, Nate Matlack, they're all in the 240 range. Now, granted, they're tall, and they have the arms and the leverage to potentially play a little bigger than their weight, but they often move a lot faster. And based off that, they do a lot more to really ask them to penetrate and disrupt you, which comes with some trade-offs. They'll be able to inflict some negative plays on the Bears, but if Baylor can scheme them upright and get them on tendency, you have a greater ability to hit some big plays on them, which for Baylor is very, very inconsistent. But given the speed that Baylor has and the difficulty they've had stringing multiple plays together, the more opportunities they have when the opponent gambles to potentially score from distance is honestly probably a better bet for this Baylor team than somebody who is going to be disciplined and force them to beat them over and over again. Sam, how hard is it to assess, like, from the Baylor standpoint? Like, that last week's game was very similar to the the UCF game where you had, like, you could have – you're only going to watch bad things for three quarters. And then all of a sudden – I say three, like, two and a half quarters. And then all of a sudden you have this flurry of, of stuff that works out for them. But um, it's, it's, it's almost like what's real and what was just in the moment. Right. And – with the Houston game, both defenses played much better early on, and then the dam kind of broke for both of them as the game went on. I felt like Houston did a better job of getting Baylor into uh, some conflicted positions in terms of the passing game, but also they stopped turning it over to the Baylor corners, which helped Houston significantly. And then Baylor was able to really get that run game going. And then even uh, Blake Shapin on a scramble to keep the drive alive was able to do some things. And Baylor was able to adjust a little bit to what Houston was doing with his drop eight. But, you know, it's very similar to the Cincinnati game, very similar to the UCF game um, in that one team won, but you really, no matter which side you're on, you don't really feel good about the outcome. <laughs> you know, you, you did, if you won, you're definitely happy about it. Don't get me wrong, but... As, as far as walking away from the game saying, wow, this was a decisive victory for either side, nobody's really thinking that either way. I mean, it, it's a game where each side got theirs, but one side came out narrowly ahead. You know, um, I, I do want to see what they can do with Kansas State because that's a legitimately good team. And in all aspects of the game, I mean, they have their weaknesses like anybody else, but they're playing at a very high level defensively. They're playing at a high level offensively. And other than a couple field goals and an extra point uh, down in Austin, they're playing pretty well on the special teams. 
it's going to be a very, very tough game for Baylor to win. And, you know, K-State's a complete team with a coaching staff who's been coaching and developing complete teams for a decade or more, going back to North Dakota State and winning in a very similar fashion with a very similar roster model to what they're doing at Kansas State. It's going to be a very, very big challenge for this Baylor team. And if they can pull it off, they will definitely earn some respect this week. Sam Bradshaw, Sikkim365.com. If you are not a premium subscriber, please do that and read Sam's stuff. Uh, It's always good. It's always in depth. uh, And he does a fantastic job. Sam, thanks so much.